Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I didn't do a message guide for you guys this week. I just want to kind of talk to you for a few minutes. And um, I want to challenge you. Um, you know, I was talking last night and I made the statement, there is no bad news in the good news. You know what the good news is? The gospel the word gospel means good news. And I, I want you to know that the, the gospel is, the good news is not just uh, a subject. It's everything. The gospel, the good news can be summed up in one word. You know what that word is? It's Jesus. Jesus is the good news. He is the good news. Jesus is not just another subject that we preach about, that we teach about. And I, I want to really encourage you, I want to encourage you to pray that God would bring you back to a place, to the simplicity of Christ. Now, I, I, the Lord's really been dealing with me over the last couple of years, and as you guys know, this last year especially, I mean, I have purposed that we're going to come back to the simplicity which is in Christ. Now, don't get confused and think that the simplicity which is in Christ sounds too basic and too elementary. You think, well, I need something deeper than that. I need something more meaty than that. Let me tell you, what is, who is Christ? Can I just ask you, who, who is Christ? I want you to think about some things. I mean, is Christ, is he a finite or an infinite Lord? He's infinite. He's the... The scripture says the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. But, but does he have a beginning? No. Does he have an end? No. He doesn't. Can we come to an end of Christ? There is no end in Christ. So when we talk about Christ, when we talk about getting a revelation of Christ, when we talk about coming back to the simplicity which is in Christ... We're not talking about basic, shallow things. We're talking about the one thing, the only thing that matters in God's economy, in God's scheme of things, and that is Christ. Everything else, I don't care what it is, whatever subject that you want to pull out of this Bible right here, whatever topic you want to preach about in church, if it has to do with godliness, it's centered in Christ And my challenge is that we come back to this place where Christ becomes our all in all. That we see our lives in Christ. We see Christ not just as someone who goes with me through life, but He is my life. That church isn't just a place I go on Sunday morning or Saturday night, but I am the church. The gospel. The gospel is about one thing. It's about Jesus. That's it. He is the good news. So we think, well, the gospel is the message that says Jesus died on the cross and he forgave my sins. Well, that's, that is part of the gospel. But we think, as Christians, sometimes we get so caught up with the things in the world. Now remember I said there is no bad news in the good news. Sometimes, 
Sometimes we don't recognize that. The good news is good news, period. That's it. There, there is no bad news in the good news. And we, what happens is we begin to associate our circumstances and the things that happen in our life. We begin to allow those things to define our relationship to God. You know, it's real common for people to say things like this to me. You know, well, I'm just trying to get closer to Jesus, Pastor Jeff. And, and you know, my circumstances have, have pulled me away from Jesus. Or they'll say, you know, I'm just believing that God will give me more of himself. I need more of Jesus in my life. Now, those are well-intentioned statements. But we need to have a fundamental understanding of who Christ is and who we are in Christ and what Christ has done for us. I was talking to someone and, and uh, you know, it was someone that was battling with depression. And it, 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 it was a, someone who's been in Christ for a long time. And what happens is sometimes, you know, we, we can be in Christ, we can be safe for a long time, but you know, our life gets to a place where maybe we're not, you know, because of our circumstances, we're not able to fellowship, and you know, this particular person, they, they didn't have transportation, and, and, and they just really began to battle depression, and, and thoughts begin to come against their mind, and they begin to just really look at their circumstances, and they begin to believe that maybe... They had fallen away from the Lord. And, and, you know, we begin to get consumed with those things. And, you know, here comes the enemy. And he whispers in their ear and he tells us, you know, God doesn't love you anymore. Well, you know, you've, you've let this happen and you've done this and you've done that. And, and you've just fallen away from the Lord. And God, he, he just, he doesn't care about you anymore. Because you've, you've done this. You've, you've done some things. You've made God not care anymore. And you know, for some of you hearing me say that, you might think, man, I, I would never think that. But I'm telling you what, people battle with those things every day. And they battle with those things because they don't really have a proper revelation or understanding of, of who Christ is and, and who they really are in Christ. Things happen in our life, and circumstances, trials, tribulation comes. Do you know Jesus promised us in John's gospel, he said, in this world you will have tribulation. But he didn't stop there. He said, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. But in the midst of our tribulation, in the midst of our trial, if we're not careful, if we're not vigilant, if we're not watchful, if we don't guard our heart and guard our mind, we'll allow the enemy to come in and he will begin to convince us that my trial, my tribulation, my circumstance is, is, is an indication that God doesn't care about me anymore, that God has forgot about me, that, that somehow I'm less than victorious, or, or maybe I begin to think, well, I, I need more of this, or I need more of that, and we begin this endless search. You guys ever heard the old, uh, or, or seen a picture, or heard the analogy of the, the donkey with the carrot dangling in front of it, and the donkey is endlessly chasing the carrot, but he can never catch the carrot, 
Do you know that's what the devil does to us as believers? He'll dangle the carrot out there and we begin this chase trying to catch the carrot, but we never catch it. Because the carrot isn't what we're supposed to be after. It's Christ. And when we realize who we are in Christ and what Christ has done for us, and we realize that He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness in Christ. It says in Peter, we, He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. Through the knowledge of who? Through the knowledge of Christ. See, if I don't have knowledge of who Christ is and what Christ has given me, what has been given to me in Christ, if I don't have knowledge of that, then I might be that person chasing after the carrot that I'll never catch. So I go from place to place to place trying to catch something, trying to get something, trying to experience something. And I may catch it and I may experience it, but you know there's going to come a time when that experience is not going to suffice anymore. And then I'm going to have to have another experience. It's kind of like a, a person who's got an addiction problem. A little dab will do you in the beginning, but pretty soon you need a little bit more. Then you need a little bit more. Then you need a little bit more. But see, if we understand that we have been given Christ, when we receive Christ, what does the scripture say? He is the fullness of God. In him, all things consist. If he's been... If we have received Christ, if we've been brought into Christ, if Christ lives in us, then what have we received? We've received the fullness of all things. Why do I want to chase a carrot? God can give me experiences. And I've had some, I've had some unbelievable, supernatural experiences. But my relationship with the Lord is not defined by my experiences. Because you know experiences are sovereign moves of God. And God can sovereignly cause you to have an experience today, but you may never have that experience again. Or you may. But if, if the enemy can convince me that my spiritual life now is defined by this experience, you know what I do? I spend all my time trying to replicate, trying to duplicate, trying to relive that experience. And what's happened, that experience that God gave me in his sovereignty, supernaturally, but that experience has become an idol in my life that now I've put up before me and I'm chasing an experience. That's what the enemy does to us. There is no bad news in the good news. What is the gospel? Well, Jesus is the good news. He's not just a topic of conversation. He's not just a preaching subject. I mean, he is the fullness of all things. And we think, well, this gospel, let's, let, let me see if I can find a scripture here for you. Let's go to, um, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, remember, Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulation. I mean, sometimes you may have to work really hard to get your bills paid. 
Sometimes you may, you know, be really struggling to just kind of maintain. Sometimes you may be battling in your body and you may be standing on the word believing God for healing. I mean a miracle just like the Brooks have done this last year. If we're believers, should bad things never happen to us? Should trials never come to us? Some would say, well, if you have enough faith, brother, that wouldn't happen. Well, you know, if you were walking in the blessings of God, you wouldn't be struggling right now. Really? Well, you know, if you just had enough faith, you must be out of God's will somewhere. There must be sin in your life, or otherwise you wouldn't be having these things happen. Now, these are all things I've heard people say. But, but man, I love to read about the Apostle Paul. Because I can so, in some ways, I can so identify with Paul. And Paul encourages my life because, man, Paul experienced everything. From the highest high to the lowest low and every point in between, he experienced it. I mean, we would, I'm going to tell you what, church, we would never want to have to go through what the Apostle Paul went through. None of us would, unless we're not in our right mind. I don't think Paul wanted to go through everything he went through, but, but it wasn't up to him. It wasn't his decision. So here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, just, just one thing I pull out here as I was, I was reading this. Let me see, where do I want to begin? Let, let's begin in verse 10. It says, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. He's kind of being facetious here. He's, the, the Corinthian church was kind of puffed up. They were kind of questioning, you know, the Apostle Paul. You know, well, is Paul so great? And is he so powerful? And, and they, they were kind of puffed up and arrogant because they were so gifted and they had so much going on. But you notice that when Paul writes these letters, yeah, they had lots of gifts. They had lots of outward manifestations of things happening. But internally, they were, they were a mess. They were proud, they were, they were egotistical, they were selfish, they were self-centered, they were self-promoting, they were fighting over, you know, nah, 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 I have this gift and you don't. My gift's better than your gift. I mean, these were the kind of things going on there. And so Paul is kind of being facetious with them here. But I want you to see, he comes to verse 10, he says, you know, we're fools for Christ's sakes, but you're wise, but we're weak. You know, you're strong, but, 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 but we're weak. You're distinguished, but we're dishonored. Verse 11, he says, to the present hour. Now look at this, church. The great Apostle Paul. To the present hour. That means right now, as of the writing of this letter. We both hunger and thirst. We are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. We are... Let me read that again. We hunger and thirst. We are poorly clothed. We are beaten and homeless. Does that sound like God's man of faith and power? By today's standards in the Western church, where would Paul rank? I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I have poor clothes. I'm beaten and I'm homeless. Follow me. I'm God's man of faith and power. Would, would we follow Paul today? In our Western mentality, would we follow that? 
we would not. You'd have, you'd have people saying things like, well, well, bro, you just need to repent. You know, you must have sin in your life. We're, we're like Job's comforters. There is no bad news in the good news, church. Do you think Paul wanted to be hungry and thirsty, homeless, beaten, poorly clothed? I submit to you, he's a human being, he didn't want to be that. But in another place, Paul said something like this. He said, I've learned, whatever state I'm in, I've abounded, I've been abased, I've been hungry, I've been full, I've been rich, I've been poor, I've been naked, I've been clothed. But whatever state I find myself in, he said, I am content. Not apathetic. The Apostle Paul was not apathetic. Don't confuse being content with being apathetic. He was content. Why? What was he saying? He said, those things do not define me. Whether I'm rich or poor does not define me. Whether I'm hungry or not does not define me. Whether I am living in a palace or I'm homeless on the side of the road, that does not define me. He said, my identity is not in my circumstances. My identity is not in my state of existence. My identity is in Christ. And I've learned to be content in whatsoever state I find myself because Christ supersedes it all. Christ is above it all. This is the good news, church. Not that we should rejoice in our poverty or we should rejoice in our sickness. Some people have that warped mentality too. You can't be spiritual unless you're poor. Or you can't be spiritual unless you're suffering for God. Listen, if God chooses to allow you to suffer, understand that Christ is above that. If God chooses to allow you to become rich and rule the world like Chris did last night in Monopoly, then accept that and understand that your sufficiency is not in all the property you own, but it's in Christ. Your spirituality is not because you're poor, you took a vow of poverty. It's because your life is in Christ. And He is the one that makes you spiritual or righteous or holy or whatever term you want to use that you feel like you need to be defined as. There is no bad news in the good news. See, the good news is the good news. Jesus is the good news. And who is Jesus? He is Lord of all. Is he Lord over every circumstance? He absolutely is. Does that mean that we should just accept whatever circumstance? Should we stand on the word and pray? You better believe you should. You stand on the word and you pray. If sickness comes to my house, I stand on the word and I pray. If destruction comes, I stand on the word and I pray for a miracle. I pray for a restoration. I pray for whatever it takes to set things right. Do I believe God still does miracles today? Absolutely. This church is full of them. I mean, bona fide, supernatural, Holy Ghost miracles that doctors can't even explain. But do we, do we chase after those things? 
Well, when the miracles stop manifesting, we move somewhere else so we can have more miracles? Uh-uh. Because is it about the miracles? Or is it about Christ? Well, I don't feel the Spirit. Is it about feeling the Spirit? Or is it about Christ? Church, it's about Christ. The good news is Christ. And Christ is central to everything that God has done, is doing, and will do. And if the church can get a revelation of Jesus Christ, not not just a subject that we preach about or we read about, not just a man in history who did a good thing, not even just a man who died on a cross for me, but I'm talking about Christ. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. The gospel, the good news, it was God's plan from the beginning. Matter of fact, it was God's plan before there was a beginning. Before God did anything, God's purpose was Christ. Now, here in in, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, Let's begin in verse 8. Paul says, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles. Look at this, church. The unsearchable riches of Christ. What was Paul's subject as he went and he preached? It was Christ. To the Corinthians, he said, I purpose to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. He says, to me, who am the least of all the saints, before he became a preacher of the gospel, what did he do? He persecuted the gospel. You know that scripture where it says, Paul is praying to have that thorn in his flesh, that messenger of Satan removed? And he said, I prayed three times and the Lord says, Paul, my grace is sufficient. You know, there's lots of speculation. Some people say Paul had an eye disease. He had some physical affliction. I was talking to a guy one time, uh, and we were talking about this scripture. And uh, he said, you know, he said, just, just my personal opinion. He said, you know what I believe Paul's thorn in the flesh was? He said, I believe it was his past. He said, I don't think Paul could get past what he had done in killing Christians and persecuting Christians. And and he couldn't forgive himself for for what he had done. He he couldn't get that out of his mind. And God said to him, Paul, my grace is sufficient. Now, I don't know if that is really what Paul was dealing with, but man, when I heard that, it's like something just went off inside of me. And I begin to think, think about the Apostle Paul. Think if you would have done what Paul did. And now you are preaching the gospel. You're seeing people come to Christ. You've got a revelation of Christ. And you understand, you understand that this Christ, he is our life. He is our salvation. There is no other way. And you spent how many years of your life, how much time trying to stamp this out. You even sent people to to their death 
I could see where that might be kind of a hard thing to get past. And God says, Paul, my grace is sufficient. See, there's a lot of people that can't get beyond their past. They keep beating themselves up because of their past. And we, we have this, this compulsion to punish ourselves because of our past, when in reality, His grace is sufficient. He paid for my past. He put my past away. He's made me a new creation. That's the gospel. The gospel is not just that my sins are forgiven. The gospel is that I have been given new life and now my life is in Christ and as a matter of fact, Christ is my life. And that God did the unthinkable. Eye has not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Had the rulers of this world known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Had they known what? Had they known that God had a plan before the ages, before creation in fact. And his plan was to dwell in man. His plan was to bring forth the one new man, Jesus Christ. Look, are you in Ephesians? Okay, look up just above chapter 3. Look at verse two, chapter 2, verse 15. Look at verse 14. For he himself is our peace who has made both one the middle and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandment contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself what? One new man. That's Christ. God has created one new man. And the good news is what, church? It's that we, through faith, are brought into that one new man. We are brought into Christ. Christ is our life. I'm not now just on earth trying to figure out how to survive until my ticket to heaven is punched. And one day when I die, I'll enter into glory. No, the scripture says that I have already entered into glory. I'm in Christ, and he is the fullness of God's glory. The problem is the devil has convinced us that, that, that what God has promised us at best is something that we'll get in the future. And in the meantime, we're, we're like the little hamster on the wheel, running as fast as we can, trying to make it in this earth, hoping one day that, that I can see God's glory, that I can know God's glory. And God is saying, no, I'm telling you what, you've been brought into it right now in Christ. There is no bad news in the good news. The good news is that when we come into Christ, the old has passed away, all things become new. I have entered into His glory. So I'm not waiting one day to be victorious. The, the good news is that right now, today, I have already entered into His victory. Because I don't have any victory. I had no hope of victory, but Christ, He won the victory for me. And the good news is that you have been brought into Christ. And if you are in Christ, if you by faith have entered into Christ, you are in victory. Yeah, but what about that? No, no, no. Forget the what about. What about my circumstance though? Get your eyes off your circumstance. Why? Because your circumstances are of this earth. Set your mind on things above. Set your sights on Christ who is above, not on things on the earth. Because the things on the earth are what? They are temporary, church. Your circumstance is temporary. But Christ is eternal. 
Your struggle is temporary, but your victory is now and it is eternal. So Paul, in his state of being hungry and thirsty and beaten and homeless, he said this in Romans. He said, he said through all of these things, and he had a long list of things, he said, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, I'm not just a conqueror. He says, I'm more than a conqueror. Well, when do I become that? One day when I die and go to heaven? No, right now. Do your circumstances define whether you've conquered or not? The devil would like for you to believe that. He would like to get you so focused on your circumstances that he's got you depressed and beaten down and, 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 and you can't handle life anymore. But God says, no, get your eyes off of those things because you are an eternal being having a temporary experience here in this temporal world. But your life, your victory, your overcoming, your peace, your joy, your love, everything that we have in Christ, it is now and it is eternal. So Paul was able to say, hey, it doesn't matter what my condition is. I've learned to be content. Why? Because he had a revelation of who he was in Christ. He came to understand what Christ had done for him. And he realized that my life here on earth doesn't define God's love for me. It doesn't define God's acceptance for me. What defines that is Christ and Christ alone. My struggle here on this earth, though it may be real and I may not like it, that does not define who God is. That does not define how God looks at me. That doesn't mean I'm less blessed than the other person. It just means I'm in the world and it's happening just the way Jesus said. You will have tribulation sometimes. But in the midst of your tribulation, what did he say? Be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Christ Jesus, the Lord of lords and the King of kings, he is over everything. His name is above all names, and you've been given that name. His power is above all power, and you have been given that power in him. He is the exalted king of all. There is nothing that is not under his authority. While we're here in Ephesians. So what does it say? Let me see. It says here in Ephesians 1, 21. Oh, let's just, this is where I'm going to close right here. Let's just begin in verse 17. Here's Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. Now remember, this letter wasn't written to you, but it was written for you. And Paul wrote this letter to the believers in Ephesus. Because in the midst of their persecution, there at Ephesus, where they were experiencing such persecution, such opposition, Paul was telling them, he said, my prayer for you is that the eyes of your understanding be open. Don't let the persecution, don't let the circumstances you're living in right now define the reality of who you are in Christ. 
Now understand what's happening, church, man. They, they are battling. And you think you've got opposition? I mean, Robbie Zacharias said this one time. He says, the, 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 the church in the third world, they experience persecution. Here in America, in the Western church, we, we experience not persecution, but um, I forgot my word. Where's Caleb? Huh? Seduction. We're not, we're not persecuted, we're seduced. But I'm telling you what, these guys were being persecuted, and here's what Paul says. He says in verse 15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know, that you may know and experience what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Not just his great power, but the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Do you believe today, church? Do you believe? God has given you an exceedingly great power that works toward your good and toward his end and his purpose, which he worked according to his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all, not some, but all, principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come and he put how many things all things under his feet and gave him Christ to be head over all things to the church that's us which is his body that's us what part what part of the what part of the body or what part do the feet the feet are part of what the body and he's put all things under he didn't say under the head he said under the feet you're not submerged up to your net you're walking on water all things are under your feet he says the fullness which is his body The body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the fullness of him, Christ, who fills all in all. That defines where we are. That defines your position. That's reality, church. That's why Paul could say, it doesn't really matter what my circumstance is. Christ is my reality. Christ is my identity. He didn't flake out and freak out and become some irresponsible human being. But he realized, as I walk this life, as I walk this path led by the Spirit of God, wherever and however the Spirit leads me, I know that Christ reigns supreme. And I am seated with him and all things have been put under my feet. Hungry, I'll eat again. Thirsty, I'll drink again. Clothed, not clothed, he said, Christ is all. So we come back over. I didn't forget chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. 
verse 8. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God. The gospel, the good news, Jesus Christ, the plan that God had before there was a beginning was hidden in God. It was a mystery. God who created all things through who? Through Jesus Christ. Who lives in you, church? The creator of heaven and earth. Now, if you think about that long enough, that'll blow your mind. Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created, where does he live? He lives in you. The same spirit that hovered over the dark in the beginning, he dwells in you and in me. Had the rulers of this world known what God was up to, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They thought they ended the plan of God, but in reality... It was like pouring gasoline on a fire. It just spread everywhere. And so now, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery from which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Verse 10, to the intent. This was the intent that now. When? Now. Not one day, but now. At the writing of this letter, that now. Paul said now to, to the Ephesians that now the manifold, the multi-sided, multicolored, variegated wisdom of God would be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Your very existence screams and declares the glory of God. Your very existence testifies to Christ who is above all and who now fills all in all. The existence of his body is a reminder that all things have been put under his feet. What do I have to do, Pastor Jeff, to make that known? You be the church. Well, what do I have to do to be the church? You be in Christ. Well, yeah, I'm in Christ, but what do I do? You do what the head tells you to do. But don't I have to do something? You do what the head tells you to do. You be what the head has told you to be. You be what God has created you to be. And you get the revelation. You pray for the revelation. If you don't have it, pray for it. That you are the body of Christ. That you have made known, are making known, and will through all eternity make known to power and principality. You will declare... Christ to the ends of creation and beyond. And that God did it, not because you deserved it, not because I deserved it, but by His grace, He did it. And when we see that reality that supersedes everything, He is Lord, church. Jesus Christ is Lord, period. That's it. He's not Lord if my My life is good, and he's not Lord when my life is bad. No, he is Lord, end of subject, end of sentence. It's it, he's Lord. He's Lord of all. He's Lord over everything. His name, his power, he is Lord. The church is living not in that reality. We don't see him as Lord. But we need to become blind to ourselves, we need to become blind to this world, and we need to see him for who he is. 
He is Lord. He is Lord. And there's nothing that will change that. There's no trial. There's no tribulation. There's no circumstance. There's nothing that will change the fact that He is Lord. Let us embrace Him as Lord. As Lord of all. Let us see Christ, the head, exalted over all things. Let us see that by His grace, through faith, He has brought us into the body. And that we are now part of the one new man under which all things have been placed. And He has become head over all things. Preeminent in everything. That's what you're a part of through Christ. You're not barely getting along hoping one day to experience the glory of God. The glory of God's not in our music. It's not in our feelings. It's not in our emotions. The glory of God is Jesus Christ. And if you have Jesus, you have the glory of God. You're not trying to pray for an anointing. If you have Jesus, you have the only anointing there is. That is the Holy Spirit. And where you go, the anointing goes. Where you go, the glory goes. Where you go, all things, whether you know it or not, they're under your feet if you're in Christ. Does that make me arrogant? No, it makes me humble. Because I know that I didn't do that. Christ, He is Lord of all. He is all. He fills all. That's the good news, church. And in spite of everything, it's still good news. Because He is Lord. Amen. He is Lord. Don't let anything convince you otherwise. Let's pray. Father, we just ask today, God, that you would give us that revelation that you are Lord. Lord, the good news, Jesus Christ is not just another subject to be preached about, taught about. Lord, you are the central theme of everything. Before time began, before creation, Lord, you are it. And Father, you have by grace brought us into that reality. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that you would open the eyes of our understanding. Even as Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, God, we ask you today to open our understanding. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we can know Christ Jesus, the Lord of all. That God, we've not been brought into a religion, we've not been brought into a movement, but God... We've been brought into the one new man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who reigns supreme. God, our victory is not in question, it's a reality right now. God, our life is not, not in question, it's a reality right now in you, Lord Jesus Christ. Father, miracles, signs, and wonders are not, not in question. Lord, you are the God of miracles, signs, and wonders. You're the God who doesn't change. But Lord... You're the head. You direct. You determine. You distribute. Father, I just pray right now, God, that you would help us to see the reality of who we are in Christ. That God, as we come into a new year, God, we would not be people chasing experiences. We would not be people trying to just change our circumstances. But God, we would be people that would see that you reign over everything. 
And that, Lord, if we put our faith and our trust in you, if we walk led and directed by the head, by the Spirit of God, God, you'll show us how to go through our circumstances. You'll show us what it means to be more than a conqueror, how to be an overcomer. God, you'll, you'll bring us into the reality, even the manifestation of our victory in you, Lord God, whether it's a healing or provision, whatever it is, that, God, our sufficiency is in you. And you have provided all things to us and in us through Christ Jesus. Father, I just pray a blessing today. The blessing that we would see what you have given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you'd like special prayer for anything, if you just come up and we'll pray for you after the service. God bless you, church. Happy New Year. Go out. Proclaim the Lordship of Jesus. You have some back pain? Okay.